Vanguard Radio, we rock Orion. Welcome to Goy Fire. We'll be talking about the Newsweek article that caused riots in the Muslim world. Khodorkovsky is kept in a cage in Russia. We've got bug chasers in New York and other places. Fortney is released. And German nationals make use of spam. We'll start out with Newsweek. Newsweek issued a retraction of a May 9th report which stated that a Quran was flushed down a Guantanamo Bay prison toilet. The magazine didn't completely disavow the story until Monday's statement from Whitaker that followed remarks earlier in the day from Bush administration officials who called for a full retraction. Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld said the flap was a reminder that people, quote, need to be very careful about what they say. Basically, we have a story that was more that broke, and then a story that was retracted. Um, it took a while for them to retract it. They just, yeah. uh, as a matter of fact, they bluster bluffed for some days and uh, tried not to retract it. And they sent out a Jew to uh, go on the cable channels to talk about it. Meanwhile, Michael Isakoff of uh, political fame in this country, a political writer, Isakoff, who was one of them who penned the article, did not come on television as he normally does. Things proceeded from from bad to worse. Over seven, I guess 17 people died and over two dozen were injured seriously in Afghanistan. And if you saw the videos, you know, they just run out there with their, I guess, U.S.-issued helmets and start shooting. I noticed that one guy was shooting at a, it looked like he could hit his own troops, you know, his own Afghan troops in between uh, the main body of the rioters and, and himself. But uh, that's the difference between non-whites and whites, I guess. But anyway, the long and the short is is that uh, this publication published what they knew to be a fabrication, and uh, 17 or 18 people died. Now, they're always talking about white racists and separatists and supremacist creators, you name it, the National Alliance. All of this hate we publish, and here's Newsweek, one of the most prominent news orgs in the country. They, they published this that directly resulted in deaths. Well, I found mm. that the most shocking aspect of this case was the ability to retract a story, as in this story does not exist when, in fact, it was published to have existed. Yeah, that's like the, uh, what was the story that they, uh, the story does not exist is a famous line from the one about the Israeli spy scandal investigation that Carl Cameron carried out under uh, Britt Hume. And uh, once it became widely known, they, they yanked the story off the Internet and posted this story does not exist. It's hard to know what's going on. I mean, if these people are torturing people, beating them up and taking photos of uh, sexual humiliation and abuse, I, I find it hard to believe that they would blanch it, uh, ripping some pages out of the Koran and flushing it. I, I think it's likelier than not that that has happened at some time. Well, Alex, yeah, it does say the Washington Post here has published a piece on May 17, 2005, and it's a directive that's been in effect for a year from the uh, U.S. military. And here's how they're supposed to handle the Koran. Now, contrast this with uh, Judge Joan Lefkow's ordering that uh, the white man's Bibles be incinerated, uh, which was the first time in U.S. history that, that a primary religious text has been ordered to be burned from a federal bench. That, that involves a, a white uh, religious text, but let's see how they deal with Muslims, which are Muslims are primarily in the world non-white and in our country. 
It says that they require U.S. personnel to ensure that the holy book is not placed in offensive areas such as the floor near the toilet or sink, near the feet, or dirty wet areas. Only Muslim chaplains and Muslim interpreters can handle the holy book, and only after putting on clean gloves in full view of detainees. Checks and balances there, huh? And then it says... Uh, the U.S. Muslim personnel, now this is not just, uh, you know, some farm boy from Tennessee. U.S. Muslim personnel uh, who have captured these, these guys with their pocket Korans or whatever are supposed to use both hands when touching the Koran to signal respect and reverence. Uh, talk about Jewish signifying. They, they, they uh, of course, have us uh, uh, trained like little puppies to uh, exude the proper respect to non-whites and specify that the right hand be the primary one used to manipulate any part of the book due to cultural associations with the left hand. The Koran should be treated like a fragile piece of delicate art, says. Well, contrast that with how not only they treated the uh, Creator book, but how they treat the Bible, and how anything Christian is inherently suspect. There's so many ironies here and so many funny points. I mean, what they, what they say and what they do, none of the sources here are credible, and Newsweek is not a credible source, and neither is the U.S. government. They don't want Christian stuff in the U.S. because it works against the Jewish agenda, and yet the biggest supporter of the Jewish agenda in the Middle East is these uh, the uh, rapture bunnies, the uh, Christian evangelicals who are discriminated against in every possible way and looked down upon uh, every possible way through Jewish TV. The, the funny thing here is and you, you see the Bush administration saying, well, this has really uh, outrageously damaged our reputation worldwide. Well, no, you know, it's the killing of, you know, 100, 150,000 Iraqis that has damaged your reputation worldwide. It's having a Secretary of State go out there and say that, well, you know, your sanctions and the problems they've created have resulted in the deaths of 500,000 Iraqi kids. Well, we find that to be an acceptable price to pay. Uh, when you say things like that, you're overtly declaring that you're the enemy, basically, of uh, anybody outside your, your orbit. And uh, no one has any reason to trust the U.S., and increasingly they don't. You know, we, we act like Jews. We come to have the reputation of Jews. Well, I was going to say, Jew Isikoff, you know, all Jews, whether they're secular or, or from an Orthodox family, they know they're quite attuned to religious symbolism. And so when Isikoff published this, he really hasn't come clean about his source. They sort of waffled on that. Look, what do you think the chances are that he knew that by publishing this, by, by penning this uh, incendiary article, that it would put white people and Muslims uh, at each other's throats? In Afghan, in Iraq, in Saudi, wherever. Yeah, and, that's uh, what I find. That's what I find most fascinating about this case is that we see the further we get involved in foreign entanglements, the stronger the Stockholm syndrome is reinforced within the American population. Now it's not just stepping on eggshells for all of the nogs that you directly encounter uh, on the street, but the the reverberations that could get Americans killed in the streets of um, yeah, the capital of Afghanistan or, or Syria or any other place that they shouldn't be. Well, it looks to me like the, uh, you know, the, the morons at Pre-Republic and elsewhere, that, which are you know, wholly Republican-owned enterprises that allow no criticism of Jews, are using this as a way to, to beat up the liberals at Newsweek who are undermining our country's valiant effort. You know, the, they ignore the simple fact. I mean, the U.S. has killed, according to someone's estimate, at least six figures. It's valid to beat the liberal press up over this one because it's their typical lack of concern for the facts and, and not caring about the damage that may result from it. But that's the small point. The big point is the lies upon which we went to war and the horrible, miserable results that have been obtained so far. And and the bigger point is that nobody can get through that true story about what's actually going on. But uh, the uh, the Christians, with their limited 
capacity for thought aren't going to pick up on that. And they remain the biggest supporters of these vicious killer Jews. They've killed a lot more than, you know, 17 people dying in riots. There's, there's no party involved in this that deserves any sympathy or really respect whatsoever. And another thing that um, a lot of us don't often think about because it's not revealed to us daily is uh, the uh, head of Newsweek, the, the, the chairman and president, I guess, is uh, he's married to a Korean. Although he's a Chavez Goy, he's married to a Korean. So Also keep in mind that Newsweek is owned by the Washington Post. Yes, that's so right. So you're dealing with the Myra Graham. That's kind of a Jewish, uh, and they're semi-outmarried, but it's, a, it's basically a Jewish clan that owns this paper that lies regularly about darn near everything. And uh, So it's almost a, a race of who can out-liberal who, or who, who can out-commie who. In, in this, uh, like I say, none of, none, of the, none of the people involved in this have clean hands. None of them are honest brokers of information or, or honest politics. They're all, they're all running an agenda. Nothing that counters the agenda is allowed to get in, and this is a little bit of internecine warfare among the dupes and the, uh, the manipulators. And uh, it sets one faction against another. But on the big stuff, they're all agreed and they're all anti-white. We don't belong in this war in the first place. But the Washington Post, Michael Isikoff, President Bush, and the the nut jobs at Free Republic all support the war. Okay, you, you listening to this want to be against the war and you want to be against all these different parties. It's not in your interest. It's hurting your reputation. Hey, hey, yes. we've got one of those old 19th century Babylonian Talmuds. You know, they're kind of expensive on the antiquarian book market. Let's just say we go buy one at auction and slather that mother up in honey and toss it to some Missouri pig. Uh, will the Jews be writing you're a hater? <sighs> That's a good question. <laughs> well, the answer is yes. Well, is this a, a, are we just going to classify this as a system press spoof where one side is uh, taking uh, Arabs to to task as they do in their movies uh, per usual the uh, whipping boy gone too far that they actually uh, endanger other operations that they're currently undertaking um, and therefore the, the the uproar from the other side who's who's not just bashing Arabs uh, verbally but putting uh, guns uh, to their their backs and uh, and bodies and bombs to their houses. I don't know. I, to me, it, it's hard to ascertain what exactly happened here. It's completely plausible to me that they have one set of rules uh, indicating you know they must show complete respect for the Koran, whereas they show no respect for Christian symbols. Uh, and yet, at the same time, they're doing the exact opposite of it, it in uh, in private. Remember a few weeks ago, you mentioned uh, the little little girl or little boy, the ten years old or something in school, eight years old. Trying to read a Bible at recess. Yeah. And, and, well, you see, you know, it's 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 as always. What reconciles everything that you read in the in the press? The Jewish agenda. Yeah. Anyone listening to Goy Fire should be aware of that by now. The, the Jewish, Jewish agenda benchmark. explains yeah. literally everything that happens, <laughs> except for the white and even the white stuff, because the white stuff is opposed to it. Why why do they have a set of rules for Christians to where a bunch of bug chasing faggots in a public park are allowed to uh, hold conversion parties, whereas the Boy Scouts can't hold some kind of meeting there because you know they're anti-gay because they're a pro-Christian. A pro-Christian group can't use a school, but the home but the gay straight alliance is is allowed a class. You see, there's there's one agenda that always goes through. And it's what reconciles these seemingly disparate stories. You need something to understand why this stuff is happening. It's the Jewish agenda that 99.9 times out of 100 explains exactly why this stuff is happening. Uh, and after sometimes uh, things compete. I mean, there's, there's multiculturalism. So we have to show respect for the Arabs. And yet we, we go to war against the Arab country because they represent a potential threat to Jewish power. Yet at the same time, to keep up the illusion that we respect all cultures equally, we have to show this exorbitant, res- excessive respect for the Muslim's holy book. Yet back here at home, 
because where the Christians are dominant, we have to weaken them so we can't allow them to go into classrooms and pray or anything or even say grace over lunch. So all this stuff, it, it, it seems like it's here, it's there, but it's not. It, it, it's all reconciled when you understand the Jews and what their agenda is, which is essentially to destroy any competing powers, whether physically in Iraq or, or spiritually, mentally and culturally here at home. So I hope, well, I hope the listeners understand that. Saddam was paying the successful families of suicide bombers $25,000 each. And Israel couldn't uh, tolerate that, and uh, they, the same way they can't tolerate Iran, a, a powerful country being there. You know, they're surrounded by people who outnumber them by about six to one, and, and they, they brazen their way in there. Uh, they started in the third quarter or so of the 19th century. Uh, it, look, how about if we all go back to Europe and say, hey, get the hell out. This is our racial homeland. You know, it would be preposterous. They'd say, oh, that's absolutely preposterous. Well, I think in the long run, Israel is a losing proposition because there simply are not enough of them. And I think the writing's on the wall. When you've got people like Mahat here, if I pronounce that correctly, over in uh, Indonesia, and you've got 1.2 billion people who are Muslims, the chance that they won't eventually get their own nuclear weapons uh, is, is, I'd say, very slim. And I don't think in the end the Jews are going to be able to prevail when the Internet has shown them for what they are. And uh, it's a matter of time. Now, that doesn't mean a damn thing for whites. The whites could be well wiped out, and, some, and it turns out being a battle between Muslims and Chinese uh, for the future of the globe. And we don't need to worry about them. We need to worry about ourselves. But I think the long-run uh, view for the Jews is not good at all. I don't think that their culture is going to survive on Earth. It's gotten them ahead. But uh, in, a, in a day and age when anyone on Earth can communicate with anyone else, I think it's, on one hand, the mass media affords them the chance to manipulate people in a, in a, on a scale that they never could before. And, and that has afforded them incredible power. But I think, I don't, it may be too soon to say we're seeing the breaking down of that system, uh, but we are seeing people start to move away from uh, Jewish television. They're spreading their mass media to the, the third world right now, and they, they team up with local providers to get their anti-local hate propaganda put into the best, translated into the best possible local terms, or their, their globo propaganda, let's put it that way, into the, into the local terms from, say, Nepal to Sweden to South Africa. But at the same time, in the in the main countries, I think people are turning away from the uh, from the television and the mass media, and they're turning towards the internet, where they can uh, get access to something different, such as Goyfire. They can hear the truth about what's going on, because there is no diversity on TV. There's mass uniformity, and that's increasingly unattractive to the most intelligent sector of the population, which is white males. Right. You have a system press which is retracting statements, which implicates its uh, domestic policy and international policy. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, they got to maintain this illusion that, like, Newsweek is on one side and President Bush is on the other. Well, they're not. I mean, they're, they're both controlled by Jews. They're both liberals in the sense they believe that race does not exist except for the Jews who are superior to all humanity and allowed to protect themselves with laws. And they both support the war in Iraq because, you know, it makes money, it's excitement, it... it brings increasing money and power and prestige to Washington, and uh, this is a little dispute among them, and who knows what the truth is, but it's certainly plausible to me that they, they would have uh, flushed pages of a Koran. I mean, if you see, the, you see the pictures of piled up bodies where they're making them sodomize each other, and you know, you've got the clowns like Limbaugh passing that off as fraternity hazing, well, I'd like to see him and a, about a half dozen of these neocon stooge commentators piled up naked and, uh, uh, you know, groping each other while some stupid broad pretending to be a soldier is taking pictures of them. I don't think they'd consider that fraternity hazing. It's kind of an Poor inverted God. pyramid we have in this country already. 
what can you say about people who excuse stuff like that? We had no business going into Iraq, and, and you know, we did it very dually. We pretend that we're concerned about the interests of some other country. We're not the slightest bit concerned about them. Someone kills 500,000 of our, our people we, and, and says, we think that's an acceptable price. How would we look at them? We say, Jesus, this person is, is our worst enemy. And they'll come on TV and tell them they're, they're United Nations liberators. That's probably how that will work out. Just the, the incredible dishonesty. I mean, Scott Ritter and the U.N. team was over there, and we had over overflights for 10 years. And they, they looked through all their possible locations, and they didn't have any weapons, and they completely knew that before they went in. It's just a bunch of lies. All the reader needs to understand is that Jews control the government. They're manipulating the U.S. and the press in their own interest. And little internecine fights like this don't mean a whole hell of a lot. Because on the big stuff, they're on the same side and the same page. We have a, a Jew in a cage over in Russia. Uh, Khodorkovsky was one of the infamous oligarchs who made vast fortunes in the 1990s through murky deals stemming from the, quote, privatization of Bolshevik enterprises. But he later tried to shed his robber baron image by starting a foundation to promote civil rights of minorities. Prosecutors have called for Khodorkovsky's maximum sentence, and that maximum sentence is, in this case, 10 years. Yeah, look, th this guy, it, it's, he's a chemical engineer by profession. Uh, he was born in 1963, and what he did, he founded an organization about the time Russia came apart, and supposedly it was to bring inventions to the public. It was called uh, Minetab, I believe it is. Let me, is that Minetab? Right? Minetab? Was that a bank? Well, yeah, it evolved into a bank. Originally, supposedly, it was to bring, as I say, in inventions. And, but the first thing they did from the get-go was to begin to import liquor and computers. And then what they used what was called, finally, and they do this in this country, too, it's called ownerless government funds. And uh, that is, unlike other billionaires in the history of world, the world who've created incredible wealth like Henry Ford from scratch, th this guy just basically schmoozed and seized it. And the way he did it, uh, again, they got this bank going, uh, Minotep, and they used what's called ownerless government funds. And I kept reading this odd phrase, what, what, the, what the hell is an ownerless government fund? And, of course, when a society's in a huge transition like that, they're just, there's monies all over lying around in, in accounts. So, essentially, he sees the accounts, uh, I suppose, initially with, a, with the uh, uh, patina of being a, a quasi-governmental organization. The same way in this country, if you look around the Internet, you'll see 501c3 after another. I mean, they're just literally thousands of them, and a lot of them are dedicated to propagandizing whites, as we know. For mm -hmm. instance, there was the one I mentioned uh, after 911, civilrights.org, together with the uh, Ad Council and all these leftist orgs that brought us the uh, I am an American. Well, this is kind of like that. And it's kind of like the 32 or 33 million that the U.S. government gave for the Holocaust Memorial. They just throw this money, and essentially at that point it's an ownerless fund. You know, people write uh, money for grants and everything. And this is how a lot of uh, mud peoples are employed in this country, essentially, you know, through, through graft and kickback and, and uh, schmoozing. In, in a case in Russia where it was just a massive transition. That's what he did. So then finally he bought this company in 1995. He put up $170 million. And they say he's very well connected in the West. Well, to me, that's code word for he knows lots of Jew financiers. And they've yeah. been involved in all these European, uh, American European intrigues since uh, the invasion of Russia during the, after the Bolshevik. I mean, this goes on and on. World War One and Two. Uh, those go on and on. But anyway, 
He bought this company, and uh, now various reports say he's worth anywhere from 3.7 to uh, 17 billion, which is twice as much as Jew Murray Rothstein, who owns MTV and CBS. So it's just phenomenal. And not only that, but he spent a lot of money on political parties, and as you guys just mentioned, these、uh, what was it to stop、uh, to help minorities? Wanted to fight for minorities. So. He he was hungry for political power, and this reminded me of what you were talking about a little earlier, Alex. That、uh, the weapons of mass destruction. There was a expose that came out, and our country spent two hundred million dollars to propagandize our own people and the Brits, but mostly Americans, to go along with the Iraq invasion. It was over two hundred million. So this fellow、uh, Kodorovsky was spending again hundreds of millions of dollars to、uh, propagandize his own people, and they said what was the term they used?、Uh, it, it was another odd one, basically anti-Russian. His partner Leonid Nevsin, when he gets arrested at the tarmac, gets past a lot of negotiable securities, and he's a billionaire too. So he's now、uh, ostensibly the new head of this this company. And and he splits to Israel, you know the、uh, the the Jew badlands. Then the minister of Israel, one one of、uh, Sharon's friends, says is that、uh, he's here. That's it. What does he say? They are Israeli citizens. There are three of them. What the what? You see, three billionaires.、Yeah. They are Israeli citizens, and that's it. Said Azef Sharif, a Sharon spokesman. So again, they're Ashkenazis.、Uh, their race is not even from that area, and they just、uh, escape. And now, of course, all this money—you think all this money is not going to flood into the Israeli economy unless they can strip、yeah. the,、uh, you know, delegitimize the、uh, negotiable documents, which they'll probably be able to do. But but you get the idea. It's just one multi-millionaire, multi-billionaire. Last week we talked about Jude Jude Feinerman, who ripped off twenty million dollars and is facing a full two and a half years in prison. It's difficult in this type of a story to get the facts, since we don't know all that. Well, I'll speak for myself. I don't know all that much about Russia, and I'm assuming most listeners probably don't either. But to get the high points, the the basic idea here is Russia's breaking down in the late '80s and early '90s. And people who are well connected internationally are well positioned to benefit from taking control of the state as it transitions to what is called democracy, which means <laughs> the word democracy is one of those words that really doesn't mean a darn thing.、Uh, in practical terms, it means rule in the name of the people by the Jews, and the proof of that is that that no state controlled by a leader the Jews don't support. Is ever referred to as a democracy. You know, you're a democracy when you choose your leader off the Jew menu. So the point is that these oligarchs, a、uh, group of under ten、uh, hugely wealthy individuals,、uh, take over large sectors of the Russian society in the early '90s, and they're like this Kodorkovsky. They're young. They're they're comparatively young. They're they're Jewish. Almost all of them. Only one of them is not Jewish, and they set up these networks and basically they sell off state-owned resources. Create huge amounts of money and quickly get that money out of the country and hide it in、uh, foreign bank accounts in, in Israel and Switzerland and、uh, offshore. Then Putin came in and got control and has been going after them to some extent. Apparently, because as Chain said, Khodorkovsky was funding a political opposition. He was funding what they what they call. See, they always style it as the liberal opposition. If, if someone's doing something the Jews don't like, they tend to call them not only not Democrats but they call them conservatives. And so he felt apparently some political competition coming from that direction, and he cracked down. And this Yukos、uh, was probably the biggest of the big, worth about forty billion. And what they did was they they ripped it up and they sold off its oil fields and they sold off others of its assets. And Khodorkovsky they seized him on an airport tarmac and threw him in jail. 
and now they're given the uh, they're they're going through an extremely lengthy thousand page uh, verdict. I guess in Russia they read off the verdict before they uh, before they offer the instead of just giving the sentence they actually read all the facts pertaining to the verdict first, and they're they're actually laughing about how long that's taking. I want to say how he sees this company, this uh, Minatep when they sold. This company you just mentioned, Yukos, which is the the uh, 15th largest company in the world, not just yeah. The 15th chain, let, let me bring it, now. Minatep is kind of the private bank that bought the shares of Yukos at an incredible bargain price. That's and right. That's how Kolakowski got like a 40 percent control of Yukos and how right. the Jews take over, kind of the largest uh, company out there. But check this: Kolakowski was the head of Minatep. Okay, when the sale took place, and his organization, his bank, Minatep, was assigned by the Russian government to administer the sale. Then he turns around as an, and is a bidder in the sale. Now, there were three bids that were higher than his. He bid $170 million, including one of them for $550 million, but those were, those were excluded for technical reasons. And uh, about that? It, yeah, it, it, if I got it right, uh, Exxon is trying to buy, I think, I believe it's one-third or 40% of this company for $30 billion right now. Yeah, and, so uh, mm -hmm. this is the same thing you could find at your own your own little town council where you're, they're selling it to, uh, they know about some seized property, whatever, and they're, they're going to sell it to their own little buddies mm -hmm. at a profit and get a kickback, except this is on the hugest possible scale. Jews as a race, historically, or as a people, as a tribe, they've excelled at ingratiating, ingratiating and schmoozing themselves up to the highest level of government, where the highest level of power is, and then... The odd thing is they do in our country now is they tell us, uh, oh, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're so successful, you can learn from us. Sometimes they'll say it in, in code words, but uh, mm -hmm. everyone knows Jews control Hollywood, like Ben Stein says, you know, you're darn right. We yeah. do. And, and uh, so what? So what? So Well, so whites are uh, simple whites who just want to work and do their jobs and have personal area and honor. So they're fucking chumps. That's what's so what. No, I meant I was, yeah, I wasn't challenging no, you. No, I know. I was I, saying that. I know you, Alex. Like, I'm, I'm not, I, I wasn't so happening to you. I was playing, no, I know. A, you know, in character there. That's what I mean. Change that's what's happening to me, damn it. I'm <laughs> uh, sorry. No, no but, but they, uh, yeah, change exactly right. What you find, and it's like what I found when I went to D.C. to work in conservatism, is is the whole political discourse in the U.S. is basically one big inter-Jewish squabble. And anybody, it's not that outsiders are not allowed to participate, it's that they can't talk that loud and, and you, you can't go against the, anything that Jews agree on, de facto represents a, a bar to anybody who doesn't agree on it. And what if they agree on something that's not true? Well, that's in fact the case. And what they agree on is that uh, no race except the Jewish race should be allowed to exist. Everyone else has to pretend that race doesn't matter. So that kind of uh, impedes political discourse when you can't take a major fact into account. The key thing here is, is Jews are uniquely positioned to create a network that uh, benefits their own group financially, and that leads to their becoming entrenched in power. And that's exactly what has gone on in Russia. And to some degree, Putin uh, is apparently a loyal Russian fighting it. But uh, I wouldn't leap to the conclusion that some white nationalists do that he is a, you know, a great friend of uh, our cause. It, it's just not that easy to tell what exactly is going on. Well, this, this is a, a very intricate story. Uh, I think it could even be a, a topic for, for a novel or investigative journalist piece because there's just so many turns and twists uh, how we got control of this company, how he maintained control of this company, how he operated this company. I think he even built a city in the middle of Siberia, and he was just totally flying under the radar of the yeah. Russian authorities. He was buying off politicians so that they would leave him alone. He was outsourcing 
tremendous amounts of money yeah. uh, uh, and and more or less draining the lifeblood of, of Russia uh, out of the country while people, factory workers who had worked 40 years for a pension um, were, were collecting paper in the street and, and eating a, a moldy potato. And yeah, so, and now they see they've taken those Siberian oil fields from them though now. So they've they've stripped Yukos. That, this well, is why there's you know they're saying now there's tens of thousands of skinheads in Russia. And of course, almost everything we know about Russia, you always always if there's one lesson of Goy fire, you have to consider the context in which the things you hear are reported. Who's reporting them to you, and what incentive do they have? Almost always, everything you're reading is coming through at least two or three filters, and almost always, they're always Jewish filters. Basically, what we're getting when we read about Russia, unless we can get something directly in Russian language from Russian nationalists, we're reading a Jew in Moscow who's interviewing Jews, reporting it through a Jewish paper uh, out of New York or Washington. So by the time it gets to you, it's, it's passed through about three or four levels of Jews. And so it becomes difficult to see clearly. It's like looking into water. The thing is not where it appears to be. So what's going on here? It's, it's, it's hard to be absolutely sure, but uh, go back to what Hitler said. You know, if Israel ever existed, it would become a center for international swindling. And uh, was it Chain or Aegis who just said a minute ago, um, when Putin was over in uh, Israel the other day, uh, Sharon, you know, made mention of these... Uh, couple of oligarchs hanging out there and said, you know, they're in Israel. They're safe. Nothing's going to happen to them. We'll never extradite them for trial. And Jews do that all the time. They kill someone or they steal a huge amount of money and they run off to Israel. They're an international, every Jew is a node on an international network of criminals. Uh, on, on the thread that you started to keep track of our uh, Goyfire broadcasts, which people can reference to find out more information, Alex, vnnforum.com in the broadcasting section. They interviewed this fellow, and uh, his name is uh, Pavel Longuin. Uh, and uh, it's quite a detailed, and he says Jews change the world around them. He's specifically talking about the oligarchs. And then he said the whites in Russia will say things like the kikes have looted Russia. And then he, said, uh, he says, what will happen in Israel? What should Russian Jews do? Immigrate to America, to Israel, stay in Russia, and work to create a Jewish culture? It's difficult to say. And then you look at who publishes this, and uh, it's being published by... Uh, a foundation which was found by an American Jew who's an Orthodox, and he had $80 billion in security, not million, $80 billion in his wow. firm. He didn't own yeah. him directly. If you read this article, the Jew, essentially, they just make all kinds of supremacist comments about their race. Now, if whites were to do this, you know, they'd, they'd call yeah. them on Fox like Matt Hale to t tell them what haters they are. Now, chain the, but the Jews do it with impunity. In fact, whites have been sure. taught to say, aren't they, aren't they amazing? They're just fucking amazing people. I wish we could be as good as they are and as smart financially. And, but we're, well, we're whites, just not, whites ought to learn to network the way Jews do, and they ought to be sure. as exclusive. They ought to turn it into an us-them situation, and increasingly it will become that naturally as the world becomes less white or America becomes less white. Now, the article you're referring to is on vnnforum.com in the activism, the VNN Broadcasting Network subforum within vnnforum.com uh, on uh, This Week in Goyfire thread. And that's where we will be in the future listing up back documentation. Like I'm looking on there now, and there's a picture of Bush with a skull cap at the Wailing Wall acting like he's praying. <laughs> well, what yeah. I can understand about this story is um, what... You know, this Jews are in Russia at least are are used to paying off politicians. That that belongs to everyday business there. You know, and uh, what got into this guy, this Jew's full head, to think he could not, instead of buying Putin off, he he was going to try to support 
the opposition candidate and, and have him promoted through some other Jews press. I think he just drastically underestimated Putin and overestimated his own power. You know, he did compare also, Putin actually uh, uh, compared the whole situation to the Enron executive uh, fiasco some years ago. And you may remember Lou Dobbs and all of them, they'd be on the television every day, like, Enron, Enron's the best bet, put your money in Enron, right? It was just like the real go-go company. Well, it turns out that a Jew by the name of Andrew Fastow and, uh, and another queer Jew, this uh, Michael Copper, they were running all kinds of flim-flams up there, and they even had a fake trading room just like they had in uh, The Sting with a uh, half-Jew Paul Newman. You remember that? Well, that's essentially what they did in an institution in this country, a big high-rise, one of the most heavily capitalized co uh, companies in, in the uh, United States. And they served very little time. I mean, they got sentenced to very little time from this. I can see the similarities, but the Jews worldwide, again, try to say, oh, it's not the same thing at all. Yeah, well, Putin comes from a very political culture. He was in mm -hmm. the KGB. He was uh, some type of governor in East Germany. He's an educated politico that's been in the system for a long time. So in the U.S., it's more or less money. If you got money, if you're a big bushy, uh, you're, you're a patriot by default. And, okay, if you're taking bribes behind the scenes, that's, that's what, you know, K Street's for. You know, that's lobbying. That's the democratic process at work. But I think, you know, some type of metal was put into uh, Putin's backbone that, that the Jews just underestimated on this case. Well, I, I read one German article where they referred to Putin as a philo-Semitic uh, based on what the, the person knew of him when he was in East Germany. So I'm not going to accept at face value what a lot of some white nationalists claim that he is definitely uh, anti-Semitic, but at the same time, I like his actions. He seems to be at least showing the Russian people to some extent he's going to stand up for them against these Jewish oligarchs who have uh, really raped the country. Through this move, he's actually uh, being able to pay off loans that uh, Russia was forced to take under Yeltsin. Uh, so he, he does seem to be... Uh, or at least to be a competent political leader. Uh, that he has the right look for a leader, in my in my opinion. He's a uh, he's fit. He doesn't have a stupid smirk playing about his lips the way Bush does. Bush, independent of what he believes, he he doesn't give off a good feel as a leader. To me, he he doesn't. He looks like someone who would underestimate the intricacies and difficulties that are involved in most things, and I think that that's understandable when you look at where it comes from. He was set up in life by his father, and uh, he really has never made anything his own way, apart from uh, being elected in Texas and being elected president. And that, you know, is inconceivable if he were not a Bush. And so I think that accounts for his kind of his, his smirk. It's, uh, it's not necessarily that he's incredibly stupid. It's, it's that it's come a little too easily for him, and when you take into account that he's, he's adopted these idiotic Christian views that basically whatever he does is... is uh, what God wants to happen, uh, you're setting yourself up for some real dangers when you have people like that running your country. I think when uh, the grip of the Jews and, and they're they're continually inciting wars against people who have good reason to hate them and are developing nuclear weapons. It's crazy. And one day, one day, I mean, it's just absolutely guaranteed. You know, you you go around kicking people's asses for no reason, and one day, by God, it's going to come back on you. The Aryan Alternative: News and views for whites you won't find anywhere else. The Aryan Alternative is a print publication of uncensored news for whites. Issue 2 is available now. Be the first in your neighborhood to distribute news without the Jews by ordering 100 copies for $12 through the Vanguard News Network. Visit GoVNN.com for ordering information. The Aryan Alternative and the Vanguard News Network. No Jews, just right. You're listening to Vanguard Radio. 
Condoms and safe sex are openly ridiculed on bug-chasing websites, with many bug-chasers rebelling against what they see as a dogma of safe sex education. Constantly thinking about a deadly disease takes all the fun out of sex, they say, and condoms suck. This is funny because uh, this story is about homos who don't have HIV who want to get it, and they find it really thrilling to go out and, and have what they call bareback, i.e. without condom sex with, uh, <laughs> with fags who have it. These homos are, are trying to hook up online and then uh, go out and uh, get infected, and they find that the ultimate erotic thing. And the question is how big a percentage of the population of, of homos is actually doing this. And of course the mainstream queer organizations and the government are not really interested in finding out about that because from day one they've tried to spread the idea that AIDS is a disease that anybody can get and it has nothing to do with these incredibly promiscuous homosexuals who have and, and remain the main group to be infected with it. Oh, AIDS, AIDS in itself is, is a fascinating topic from just about any direction you approach it. The first fascinating thing about it is whether or not it exists because there are people who claim it's simply a collection of symptoms rather than an actual disease. And they say that it is not actually caused by the virus, but that's kind of a whole different story. But something is killing these people, and whether it's AIDS caused by the HIV virus or whether it's the breakdown of immune systems based on incredible, incredibly promiscuous, just dangerous sex that homosexuals engage in, either way, it's, it's killing people. And uh, either way, the people who are spreading it need to be treated in a way that prevents it from spreading into the larger community. Well... Having it spread in a larger community is obviously good for gays, for queers, because it gets more money spent on it. The point here is that what homosexuals are and what they actually do has never been of interest to the mainstream media, who always portray homos as something good and positive, i.e. Ellen or what's that other show with uh, that fruit of Sean Hayes, Will and Grace, right? They always portray them as these happily bub bubbly things. They don't show what they actually are and the misery that they actually spread. Let, let me read a few of their names in here, Alex. These are hilarious. They have a whole subculture, as Alex was saying. And not only that, but of course the, bug, the Jews... Bug chasers who are right. trying to get the disease. And gift givers. See, what happens? they're kind of like a philanthropist. You know, you think of a gift giver who gets a tax-free, makes a tax-free donation. Well, they call them gift givers, and they knock up. You know, they, they, they go bareback riding and knock up the... Uh, uh, the, couldn't call him a girl. What would you call him? I'm a little bit. Uh, well, they, they're like, oh, he's gonna breed me, you know. Uh, right, breed me. That's the word. Yes, breed me with the, uh, with the so they're <laughs> HIV positive, and that's. And if you don't like breeding, you're a hater. <laughs> mm -hmm. So here, here's what their names on on their boards. They the, the, the nickname Paws P O Z means uh, positive. So they have one, and here's here are their names. You know, when you go on a message board, you have different names. Here's one: Convert me, sir. Paws come for neg hole and gift giver. Hey, I mean, let, let, let me jump in here and interject something. Uh, <laughs> what we're giving you is the, the down and dirty part of, of faggotry. And you know what? The job of the media is not to, to sugarcoat things or to cover them up so that women feel good about it and that morons can go on with their lives more happily. The point of media is to get you the facts about what's going on. It's hardcore masculine. Here's the facts. Here's the facts. That's what media is supposed to do when it's operating correctly. And what people think is nice or not, that goes by the boards. This is, this is going on. There's people out there trying to contract and trying to spread HIV. And uh, you never heard any Jew denounce them as hate sites or disease the first sites. Or, the first or second Goyfire, you were talking about how little kids are learning this, uh, you know, Johnny has two daddies and stuff at five years old. And, yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Great, and in this story, they talk, they talk about a Midwestern kid. He's 20 years old now, so he was one of these... Uh, 
You know, he wanted to get knocked up. Kids he raised did. with Heather as two mommies, and he's reading all this happy, yeah. positive, homo stuff in school, and then 20 years later, you've got this. Mm-hmm. So he went back to Nebraska, and he's taking all his uh, medicine now. He said he's, he had no idea what it was like. He's vomiting a, you know, a couple hours a day, and it's not as glorious as he thought. Here's what happens. You know, when, when they get a positive, according to the subculture that the Jews are promoting, then they get a sort of a Jack the Ripper sex thrill from infecting others. The end of this piece, which, you know, this was a Rolling Stone article, by the way. And then I started looking around, and the writer, by the way, says that uh, this one Jewess, he doesn't call her a Jewess, but she obviously is, in an AIDS group, encouraged, her not, encouraged him not to write this story. Well, again, you can't really get at the truth, because Jan Wenner, who's the publisher of Rolling Stone, he's a Jew, and he had a, a model boyfriend some years ago. So while ostensibly you would think they're promoting something that leads you to be realistic and, and make the right decisions in life, uh, it's just another layered uh, nonsense, really. This fellow Carlos at the end of this article, he says, if I know that he's negative, he's talking about after he becomes a pause, you know, he's out there waiting for his uh, lover boy to uh, change his life. He's a bug chaser. If I know that he's negative and I'm fucking him, it sort of gets me on. I'm murdering him in a sense, killing him slowly. And that's sort of, as sick as it sounds, exciting to me. And, uh, you know, it's almost an allegory for what Jews are doing to us. They're killing us very slowly, and I'm sure it's exciting to them. Chain, this gets at the, uh, the impulse that may be at the very bottom of, the, uh, of queerness, which is mm-hmm. a sort of a death impulse. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have in them, a, a, or they can evoke through their imagination or through some, for some other reason, a death impulse, a desire to sink themselves into the gutter. doesn't even necessarily have to be homosexual, but uh, they can try to destroy themselves and destroy others and get off on it. And obviously, if you're engaged in a practice that results in as much misery and death as, as queerness does, it'd be foolish not to think that that is the... When something happens, and it's very easily predictable, it's always possible that that is what is sought. Yeah, it's on a dysfunctional level, but the dysfunctional levels are so layered now in our culture and uh, and of our people, like this 20-year-old kid in Nebraska. You know, if somebody would have gotten a hold of that young guy at the right age, somebody like us here at Goyfire or at VNN, and we would have inputted him in the right ideas, uh, you know, maybe he wouldn't be dying of AIDS now. Yeah, well, there, and that's an important point, which uh, the Nazis worked with homosexuals, and they found that basically... They came from the Weimar culture, where in which they were trying to put in the same kind of garbage that we have here, you know, promote homosexuality among Aryans. Now, why why did Jews want to promote homosexuality among Aryans? Because it breaks up solid, stable, homogenous society, and it leads people into these different competing sick groups. So they have an incentive in doing that. The Nazis found basically a lot of these people could be worked out. You just work them from dawn to dusk, and most of them would come around. And then they found that homosexuality remained a small, a, sn- a small element is probably more or less like that inherently, but a very small, not like 10%, like maybe, you know, part of 1% or something. So it's the same in America. And they'll say that the, the point is, while there may be a tiny percentage in whom that deviance is more or less natural, that A, that doesn't mean it's a good thing, and B, that doesn't mean that they can't convert others to that way of acting. And that's what all this gay-straight alliance stuff is about today. They want to take people who are, uh, you know, starting to mature sexually and maybe a, a little bit confused, and they want to confuse them further. And then if they, if they get into homosexuality, which is encouraged 
and promoted by almost every sector of American society today. They, they may make their first experiments in that, and um, they may come to have that as a taste. People do are simply the result of uh, if you do something over and over, you get used to it, you like it. Um, there is definitely a percentage of people who would otherwise be uh, uh, heterosexual who are, who are uh, you know, diverted, like a, a river of homosexuality is diverted into the fields of faggotry mm-hmm. by, uh, by these gay straight alliances and the Jews who create all these, uh, who create the legal infrastructure in which that kind of thing is possible. Imagine, imagine a 50s high school having a gay straight alliance. They're like, oh, we need somewhere where these, these kids who know that they're homos are going to be absolutely safe, you know? They had and, uh, a- it's ridiculous. That's a sign of abuse control in the country and destroying our kids using our schools paid for with our tax dollars. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Where's the room where a kid can go and be safe to be a normal white person? It doesn't exist. He's abused in every single room in the school. And this is the sick fucking result of this. I mean, you know, I mean, after someone's been living 10 years as a fucking kid, oh, who decided at 14, oh, I'm a faggot. You know, why not kill yourself? Why not kill yourself by trying to get HIV and die? I mean, who the fuck wants to live in America today? It stinks. In uh, Harrisonburg, Virginia, they had a high school there, and it was receiving national publicity because they have a, a homo club. Of course, they don't call it a homo club. But hmm. uh, Heidi and I, uh, we drove over there a couple hundred miles, and we passed out the area in alternative number one on the sidewalk outside the high school. And some mm-hmm. of the white kids, thumbs up. You know, they liked it. They got a kick. We gave them the Panzerfaust CD with it, too. And uh, then finally the assistant principal comes out to the sidewalk. He said, are you passing this out here? And I was filming him. I said, you bet I am. And he said, uh-huh. you, you can't do that here. And oh. I said, yeah. So then I swung the camera down to the sidewalk. I said, well, where's the violation? This is a public sidewalk. You control this? Yeah. And then he had a grim smile. Just turned on his heels and walked away. Same thing with me, Shane. When I put out TAA outside the Fiddler or the Roof in the uh, parking lot of the uh, public high school here, yeah, they were they wanted to get rid of me. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Or do you know how uncool you are? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm like, I don't really care. You know, I'm gonna and I'm gonna hand it out. And then the cops call. Yeah, it's on a public space. There's nothing they can do about it. The pamphlet Common Sense by Tom Paine was the, was the uh, exactly like TAA. It's the thing that started it all, and uh, it's historically mm-hmm. famous now what started it in those days of pamphlet. Now we have the Internet, too. But, look, information that's not being controlled, uh, you know, we're not getting paid 50 grand a year or 200 grand to do this. We do it because we want our people to survive, and we want us to, to prosper. We want to propel ourselves into the future. I think the important is not to stray too far from the point. We're talking about homosexuality. The, the mm-hmm. key is that while there may be maybe 1% of males who are that way more or less uh, due to some kind of biological deviance, um, a percentage of people can be attracted into homosexual behavior by societies not merely condoning it but actively promoting it. Mm-hmm. An active promotion of homosexuality is absolutely what is going on. And it's it not 10% of the population. They, they try to say it's 10% either. It's not no, 10%. it's not any 10% of the population. Yeah. It's maybe 1%. And it, it, homosexuality would not be that big of a deal if it were uh, indoors and private. But when it's public and condoned and it's leading other people down its literally sick, infected path, uh, it's it's poses a risk to everybody, psychological as well as overtly physical. The real activist homos, and, and keep in mind, what I mean by promotion is we, we do the Aryan alternative. Now, can you imagine Budweiser or any other mass consumer uh, company putting an ad in a pro-white publication? Why the thought is unthinkable. And yet, if you go to your local newsstand, which will have probably several, if you're in a big city, it will have several uh, queer publications, uh, you'll find that uh, the major advertisers have no problem. In fact, they have directors of uh, homosexual advertising. or They have uh, advertising agents that correspond to every part of the community from 
the, the Mexicans and, and Jews to whatever. They, they advertise in every ethnic and behavioral uh, sector of the media except for white stuff. And that shows you where the real power lies in the society. Organized queers have a huge amount of power, uh, in, not just in politics, but in uh, the media also. Uh, the Jews often, the Jews own the big media companies, but a lot of the, uh, the mid-level staffing, the production staffing, is made up of, of lesbians and, uh, and queers. I remember when uh, Pim Fortune in uh, the Netherlands a couple of years ago was assassinated by a leftist. When he was killed, there was quite a debate on white nationalist boards about do we support this guy or not, and... It seemed to me that the general consensus was, look, he was a homosexual, but he had the guts to, to get out there and stand up and say, we're, we're not going to take this immigration invasion anymore, and we're mm -hmm. sick of it. What happened to him when he did that? Well, he got assassinated. There, there are levels of importance to their well, the thing belief is, systems. If, mm -hmm. if, if, if you're a homo and you keep it to yourself, then who's going to know? But it, it's a different thing if they're going to come out and say, we demand to be respected. Okay, if you demand to be respected then let's put on the table what exactly it is you're doing. Okay, so you want to go have sex with five guys a week, and you want to have you want to go to a bathhouse and uh, fuck people up the ass who you don't even know. And you want to spread a disease that causes death and destruction, and uh, people have to take all, you know, tens of millions of dollars worth of pills to try to stay alive. And you want to do this, and you want to be publicly respected, and you want it taught that your perversion is something good and natural and normal. No. You know, it doesn't work like that. If you want to be, if you want to be a, a, a faggot, be a faggot in your own time and shut up about it where other people don't know. If you want to be in public and talk about that stuff, then uh, they should be cracked down on. What I would do if I were a dictator is uh, you'd immediately shut down all the uh, overt faggotry in the, the bathhouse and that kind of stuff and seize the leaders of these, these homosexual advocacy groups and hang them on TV on and the shoot them. And I'd run, I'd run a lot of advertising. And I'd force the, force the biggest companies to... Uh, Send people out and say, look, you're going to buy ads on the public execution of these queer leaders who have infected society with uh, the spread of AIDS. And I'd say to them, I'd have them come on there and officially apologize for advertising these queer publications and talk about the huge damage they've done to America by doing that and understand that they're down with the new system now where we don't allow that kind of thing. And then, you know what, you, you, you leave people alone. Let them, let them do what they want below that. They want to be fair. No, they're basically going to endanger themselves, but uh, you don't have to uh, tolerate that in public. A certain number of people who are listening to you will probably be laughing about uh, what you would do if you were a dictator and so forth, or, or if white nationalism came to power. Let me just say, you know, they, they may laugh at this. They think that this movement is not going anywhere. Just think 40 years ago. Who would have thought that La Raza would be in every university in California, uh, contrary to California law? And, and who yeah. would have thought that all these movements would have the power that they do now? One, one congressman, one congressman in the federal Congress uh, called whites cockroaches. And who well, would have thought that that would occur? And, and then they, they laughed at Hitler, too. The general fact is people have little imagination. And, but yeah. keep in mind, and don't get discouraged, things among humans can change very rapidly. They can change from one day to the next. It used to be that the idea of niggers voting was ridiculous. All of a sudden, the next day, it's the, it's the law. Well, you know what? Things can go one way. Well, they can go the other way, too. And open, overt public faggotry is an incredibly bad thing. Basically, it's something that, okay, we know that a certain percentage of people are like this, and if they shut up about it, then we, we tolerate them. Tolerate means we don't like it, but we're not going to actively work against it. But if they come out and start saying, this is normal, no, it's not normal. We don't want it. You definitely have to take a stand against that in public to maintain, a, just to keep things going normally.
And they've reached the state that they've reached purely due to Jews controlling the country. On their own, they never could have got the power that they've got. It's only by Jews rewriting the law. And Jews don't like homos any more than I do. They feel exactly the same way about them. But they find a utility in promoting the homo agenda just the way they promoted the black agenda because it rips apart normal white society. It fucks white people's lives up. That's what they want from homoism. And that's why, at all costs, you want to keep your son and daughter away from that. And the main way you can keep them away from that is twofold. One, you kick the fuck out of your TV and you throw it out to the curb and you don't pay the Jewish cable company any money. And two, you keep them out of the goddamn public schools. That's where they're teaching all that shit. They, they learn that shit in school and then they come home and they watch MTV. And I specifically don't mean TV. I mean MTV, which is the number one program watched by uh, young teenage white girls. Yeah, if your 16-year-old daughter gets knocked up by a baboon, uh, you know, jumping up and down MTV or your kid turns out to be a homo because of what he's been taught in the schools reinforced, oh, it's wonderful. Uh, Most likely they won't be competing with the Jew kids for law school entry, will they? No, they'll be be confused. They'll be 14 or 15. What a lot of them will do is start running off to uh, the big city and trying out, getting into the whole sex subculture. Sex is not really that interesting. I mean, it's part of life, but it's not something that can consume every waking hour the way that TV makes it seem. It's just everything that you see on TV, every kind of drama, every sitcom, you know, it's always people talking about getting laid, people making jokes about getting laid, people going out and trying to get laid. It's so goddamn boring. Think about this. (laughs) Think about sex. Go have sex, but at least you're getting sex. You're not, or like strippers. I mean, what's the fucking point? It's like somebody going out there and like, oh, I'm cooking you this steak. Boy, that looks like a good steak. You can't eat any. You're getting kicked out of the kitchen. You know, if you try to fucking touch the thing, I think that's ridiculous. If you want in to Russia, go have sex. Don't be in crazy. Russia. They're, they're broadcasting. They're waving this stuff in your face. It's it's pacified. <laughs> you know, even fucking oral sex is kind of wuss sex. It's totally uh, just sit back, do nothing, be a fucking lazy consumer. Even when they're fucking, they're not fucking. Well, they're broadcasting Michael Jackson constantly in the United States. And the amount of airtime being devoted to this is just phenomenal. And uh, all he is is a pedophile, just a, a, a Negro pedophile. Yeah, but, but he's he all, you know, he, he hates dandy up. Remember that. Yeah, he's dandy up. His slacks are like animals. And that's yeah, he's a why they go after him. But, but to, to, con, con, compare that to Russia, where they just put the richest man in country who's corrupt in prison, in jail. Now, can you imagine that in the United States? If you were the richest man in the United States, would they have a trial? Do you know how incredibly hard that would be to put the richest man in the United States, even if he had been con- committed the crimes which Khodorovsky has? So imagine that, you know. And then the Jews in the international media are telling us, oh, you know, he's really being wronged over there. It's terrible, that anti-Semitic stuff going on there. Well, you know, they're getting a, a trial of someone who tried to abscond with the whole country's wealth, and we're getting Michael Jackson on the TV. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you say, Alex, they're treating us like little children constantly, constantly. They have well, the Jew Lloyd, that Jane Weintraub. I'm so sick of seeing that bitch on TV. Well, I don't, I don't watch that stuff, but it, the whole, all of society has taken on an entertainment tonight feel. Mm-hmm. Everybody has been trained to act like a Hollywood actor in the sense that, you know, we get together on projects and we're all very positive and nobody will ever ever criticize anybody else directly. We all, we all want to stay positive. And maybe uh, that's a good thing, but uh, I don't think so. I'd rather have people making uh, funny, cutting remarks about other people than being constantly positive. I, I don't keep it real. I mean, That's what Tyrone Butt says. He says, let's keep it real. When he posts a crime story about uh, blacks murdering and raping white women, he says, uh, let's keep it real. I think it's very <laughs> English, English sort of uh, values that have, uh, wasp values have, have come over this society, and everybody 
is afraid to be principled. The, the principle is to seem rather than to be. You know, you want to seem like you're wearing the right thing to wear and you have precisely the right type of sunglasses that will make you cool mm-hmm. and you praise and refrain from criticizing other people precisely the same way the most respected movie stars do. And it's the same thing in country music, too. Everybody has become an actor. And I guess we have an American version of the Soviet Union, you know, where maybe in bed with your wife, the Soviets were, the the Russians were felt a little bit free to speak their minds, but not even in front of their kids would they issue a private opinion because their kids were trying to report on them. Just and, and we see that in America. We have our own American version of that, which is we all act like Hollywood stars who know that one false move could destroy their whole career. Oh, a good example is uh, a couple years ago in the World Series, uh, I think it was the World Series, uh, Dusty Baker is a black manager of the uh, Giants at that time. His, his little nigger grandkid literally ran out on the field right in the middle of a play when the guy was uh, coming home. And the, you could tell the announcer was like, oh, why don't you could what's that little nigger bitch doing out there in the field? The little nigger, two-year-old nigger kid's running around on a goddamn field while they're trying to play a game. The, the response to that was very, very restrained. And we've basically given black people in this country carte blanche to do whatever they want. That's a, a symptom of cognitive dissidence where everybody sees more or less what's going down, but uh, for some reason uh, don't feel at ease to say what they're seeing. And that type of situation just makes for a lot of sick people, you know, that are broken up inside and, and yeah. basically... What are the reasons? They, they won't say it, Aegis. What are the reasons? I think fear of being um, uh, in either either socially ostracized or fear of being a feeling out of place uh, that they're the only ones who are feeling or seeing that way and uh, mm-hmm. and that that's what's reinforced every every morning over coffee in the system press. Well, that's uh, yeah. There's an actual academic name. And the part of the elites, the fear is that they will be fired, and it's a well-founded fear. On the part of the people, it's called spiral of silence. People fear that their view, which is actually the majority view, is not the majority view, and so they refrain from voicing it. This is because the Jews control the media, and they put out, niggers are people, niggers are people, niggers are people. And people grow, they think, well, God, I don't think they're people. They look like dangerous uh, semi-apes to me. I mean, I, they sound like apes. They act like apes. But he, he's afraid to voice that because he sees that, A, even for low-level people, there are a lot of uh, consequences to voicing it. And also he's afraid that people really do, do agree with uh, what they hear in the media. They'll use, people use specious arguments like, well, I know, I know a black guy. He's a good guy, you know. That's incredibly and, uh, common, uh, this idea that one exception invalidates a general rule. Right. Well, I think doesn't. that's people. They're looking for that cop-out which, which um, rectifies that what they're seeing in the moment. Uh, with the system propaganda. So they reach right for that, well, I know that guy. You know, the funny thing to me is, and Chain is right, that is the most common argument you will see if you say blacks are dangerous. Well, blacks are generally dangerous, violent, undesirable people. If you say that to ten people, nine of them will respond, well, I know a white family that's just as bad as a black family. And you go, yeah, so do I. (laughs) But, uh... (laughs) But I, my point there is is uh, that I don't know whether it's dumbing down or whether logic is just not that strong in most people's heads, but they really, truly do not seem to understand that one counterexample does not disprove a general rule. I say, well, that, well I, I know I, women that, who are taller than men, 
my point is a generalization. It's not an absolute. Jews <laughs> feel that they may know a, a smart white, too. But uh, that, that, that doesn't prevent them from saying that the majority of us are their en enemies. Yeah. Well, there's there's some systematic skin than whites, but we still call them blacks. There's systematic rhetorical excuses that you know help them get past that cognitive difficulty of encountering a real fact uh, and and having uh, to to kowtow to the uh, prevailing ideology. And there's so many rhetorical statements uh, that are just projected by the system press. Uh, you know all type all manner of cop-outs of why blacks are the way they are, and they're just there for the taking. And uh, after mm -hmm. you've read a newspaper maybe uh, 20 times, it doesn't matter on what day of the month uh, or which newspaper, you've got those rhetorical crutches that you can take uh, in any circumstance. For example, right. here we, we have a story of Noah Jamal Jones, uh, who turns up at a party, Minutes before, and I'll quote from the, the source here, minutes before the fight that ended in his death, Noah Jamal Jones stood laughing as his friend waved a gun around and threatened people, a witness testified in court. Tony Gales, 21, also of Cole Color, was the first witness in the trial of ja Jacob T. Fortney, one of the six men charged with manslaughter in the Pasadena teen's death. Mr. Jones and three friends showed up uninvited at a party in Pasadena July 24th because they believed another of their coal-colored friends was going to be attacked, according to testimony. One of Mr. Jones' friends, Marion Shepard, pulled out a gun, pistol-whipped the host of the party, and yelled to the others, quote, do you want me to do the same thing I just did to him? Mr. Gales testified. Uh, this nigger got his comeuppance at the party, and uh, somebody put a boot party on him and his gun-wielding friends, and uh, then were put up on trial and acquitted by an all-white jury. How did they manage to bust his skull? The specific gravity is just below granite on the scale. I don't know how they did that. That's a miracle in and of itself. Density, you know. Well, you know, I, I don't think these are in any sense. These are just uh, probably wiggers more than anything is my guess. And yeah, when I met uh, a black uncle. You know, it, it just imagine imagine that, as we always say, imagine if the situation were reversed. Imagine if there were blacks at a party and a bunch of whites came up with a gun and started making threats and smacking them with the gun. Imagine how the kikes at the Washington Post would have treated that in the paper. It wouldn't be the way they're treating this. Now we got these niggers making rumbles about how there's going to be bloodshed and uh, how they may retry it. Um, it's pretty clear there's no... It doesn't seem like there's any... Thing racial involved to me. That's why I'm saying I think they're probably Wiggers because I know that general. I know the general area and what goes on. And if there were more anything more racial, they could pull it out. Right now, they're, it, it's close enough that they feel the need to promote this, and it sounds like they may be hoping the feds will hop in and retry this as is their way. It's kind of it, it, it's a reverse tw twist on double jeopardy. Double jeopardy is supposed to protect the civilian against being tried or the citizen from being tried twice for the same crime, but in fact, double jeopardy protects the government or protects Zog in case the, the first local decision goes against them, then they've always got the feds to step in and make sure the decision goes the right way the second time. 
A good example is uh, the cops involved in beating the drunken uh, nigger, Rodney King, and they retried them again and gave him prison time. Uh, but uh, whether they'll do that here, I don't know. There is certainly nothing political about this. Uh, These droids ran into the yard, Alex, with a hammer and a taser gun. I'm pretty sure taser yeah. guns are he heavily controlled in Maryland. Oh, yeah. You, you just imagine if this were uh, white people doing that at a black party. First of all, it's unthinkable. Second of all, hey, <laughs> they wouldn't be... They're not talking about that at all. They're talking about, oh, one of another valuable nigger died. <laughs> oh, this nigger, I guarantee you, he just would have caused other problems. It's good that he's dead. They caught two of them with handguns after the fact, too. I guess yeah. they ran and out of If they were guns. white, they would have been busted for various uh, sure. Just various goals. How long is he violations. Uh, it's just, you know, niggers are to be allowed to rampage through life like it's a rap video, and we're just supposed to get out of the way. Oh, the monkeys are back in town. Oh, the elephants are trashing our happy little ha jungle hamlet. Just... Stand back. Don't do anything. Thank you, Thank sir, you for, for stomping my mud hut, yeah. Mr. Elephant Thank, you, thank you, sir, for the pistol whipping. Here's yeah, my exactly. uh, daughter. Uh, please yeah, do what yeah, you would will. Would you like to rape my daughter on your way out? Whites, you uh, got to fight back, and, and fighting back against nigger by nigger is, makes no point. Go right for the head. The head is the Jew. The head is the Jewish community that sick these people on us. We just got done with a story about... Uh, these, these faggots out chasing bugs. Well, we're all being forced to... Uh, we're, we're, we've had the bugs chasing us, and the bugs were loosed on us by the Jews. The, the, black the blacks being the HIV in semi-human form, or HIV in hominid form of these blacks who were loosed into white society to the tune of you know tens of thousands of murders since they were loosed back in the 60s. Like I, I think almost as many uh, whites have been killed by blacks, if not more, since the 65 Civil Rights Act uh, has died in Vietnam. And there's a million to two million crimes a year committed against whites by blacks. So they really are HIV in hominid form, set free in our communities by the Jews who hate us and want to destroy us. If they can't convert our kids to homosexuality, well, they can have them uh, pistol whipped and beaten up by niggers. You know, that'll work. Anything to intimidate them and to prevent them from standing up and living as adults taking control of their own communities. Anything to leave white communities open to Jewish predation is what TV and government will team up to promote against your interests. You must organize and fight and join with us in fighting against the Jews that make all this misery possible. Well, the NAACP was all over this case, and they are continuing to use this as a source of outrage for the black community that uh, a white jury uh, acquitted a white man for defending himself. It's also the churches, the churches in particular. The NAACP county director, although he's behind it, he didn't show up for one particular press conference. And I guess uh, when they challenged jurors, it was only the defense which challenged jurors on race, not the prosecution, strangely enough. And in other words, the defense got him tossed off. Well, it was an all-white jury, but we've seen, you know, Matt Hale had to do, go through this. So Jamal's mammy ran out of the courthouse in, in, a, in a huff there and a dramatic uh, screaming fit, and I guess the media was waiting outside for her. So she said it wasn't fair because of the all-white jury. Well, you know, I, on this particular point, I agree with her. First of all, I don't think niggers should have trials, but, uh, you know, I just let, let them run their own Afro societies in Africa or wherever. They want to keep Atlanta, Georgia, keep Atlanta. I don't care, but, uh, you know, as far as juries having their own race, when our forefathers uh, debated that on a really hot and oppressive day on August 28, 1787 in Philly at the Constitutional Convention, uh, they said that it was trial by jury by uh, our peers. And I'm sure they had no idea that droids would be our peers in the year 2005. Well, let's, let's reinforce that point for the libertarians who think that the founders were individualists. Okay, these, these people very cleverly, they gloss over the fact, no, 
The founders, if they had been individualist, would have given rights to blacks and to Chinese, and they did not do that. So they were not well, individualists. They were, in fact, I, white racialists. I they thought they were being very... rights only in a white context. Now, when the, when the context is destroyed, the rest of it is meaningless. I thought they were being very generous with that three-fifths of a man. But that, that was even that. They didn't... They didn't uh, that was what they allowed them to count blacks as for the purposes of white representation. That did not accord blacks any rights. They regarded blacks as zero-fifths of a man in terms of the rights they had to political representation. That was only right. to buy off the Southerners so that they would have a, the power wouldn't be, lie totally with the North because of the, the numbers. People who made the U.S. Constitution, who basically everybody concedes were the smartest men America ever produced, did not accord blacks any political rights. And you fools who have, who have risen up in a Jewish system and have, and even with the evidence before your eyes, you, you won't consider that. You know, we, we see that what we are reaping is a natural result, result of ignoring the racial wisdom of the founders. And, and you on the, on the libertarian and the conservative side are triply guilty because you play along with the liberals. And in fact, you are liberals yourselves for pretending that race doesn't matter when in fact race is essential when you're building a political system. The white system was built by whites for whites, and that includes the court system. You can't have innocent until guilty and have blacks. It, it, blacks are violent, vicious people. We're basically savages and innocent until proven. No, in a black country, what you have to have is, is more guns than the, the other tribe. Only whites can work in a system where you're innocent until proven guilty and where you let lots of people go in technicalities. In a black system, that results in just craziness. Well, and in black societies, the evil eye is uh, good enough for, for a uh, death sentence. In researching this story, I noticed that uh, the women in general, some I, I suppose feminists, uh, they'd written how the jury system wasn't fair when there were only men on the jury because uh, they were voting on crucial issues or cases involving, for instance, uh, infanticide. Now, if that is so, if people can make that logical leap, why can't they make the next one that quite clearly... Blacks and whites should not be ruling on each other because we have extremely divergent interests, and they're very foreign to our experience. Yeah. So you can do it for women, but you can't do it for races yet, despite the fact that our white forefathers set a jury of our peers. Oh, hell, so, uh, we I can't even get the Supreme Court to separate whites and blacks in prison, mm -hmm. you know, because their damn ideology has to prevail over the safety. We talked about that on an earlier show. You know, I saw Senator Hunter since that show, Alex. She, I read something, and she talked about the inherent injustness of uh, racial segregation, and this was in like you know the year 2003. She was talking about this. I'm well, thinking, what it, is she talking? When you about? have a system that allows women to be judges, <laughs> you have an inherently ridiculous system. Women are not judicious. <laughs> their their whole thing is they're biologically built to fiercely defend their young. They're not trained to think logically and to go by precedent. I mean, I saw I went to a uh, one of my relatives graduated from law school, and I went to the. Uh, the graduation or with my family and we we listened as the uh, the head of the uh, Texas uh, Supreme Court this female basically patted herself on the back for her decision equalizing school funding across uh, the state of Texas meaning that you know white parents would basically have to subsidize Mexican kids education they couldn't get away from them depending on the school district they live in and she basically encouraged these graduates to uh, don't be you know change and I almost said this almost literally don't be worried about what the law says. Don't worry about president. Sometimes you have to look in your heart and just do what's right. So you see, the, the, the concept of rule by firmly established written law that is clearly understood by everybody is completely foreign to women. I mean, do what you want to do and concoct a reason later. That's how women are not really capable of separating themselves from the matter being discussed. They're, they're not really capable of objectivity or distancing. 
and that makes it incredibly dangerous to have them as judges because they're going to be more concerned with how their decision will play in the media and the social networks that they inhabit. And we know who defines those networks. It's, it's the Jews and it's the liberals who let them into law school in the first place. So God help you if you come before a female judge. Not that the men are a hell of a lot better these days, but you know, they, they, there's no getting around. The founders set up a superior system. If you're going to have representative government, uh, you've got to limit the people voting to older, stable, propertyed white males. And that's the only technical way you can, you can get it, giving yourself a chance to have good government. That's never going to happen, government. Alex, until we get our own country in this world. Not without passing through a stage where we simply have a white dictatorship and then we get rid of we get the coloreds and the Jews out of our communities, and then we can eventually probably devolve it to where we have a, a sort of a lattice or a network of little mm-hmm. mini states, kind of the way they do in Switzerland, maybe with a defensive federation. I think that would be ideal. But, That's uh, so exciting because you started this five years ago, and of course other people are doing yeah. this sort of thing. But in terms of uh, being on the cutting edge, I think you are, and. People who get involved are. now are really in the ground floor level of something a very we are. enormous you historic listening, yeah, You listening to this, we, we have started begun to build something, and we want you to come on board with us uh, in whichever form that might be, whether it's distributing our tabloid or producing radio shows like this yourself for air on our uh, new and burgeoning network, or whether it's writing articles for uh, Vanguard News Network. There's a way in which you can participate. Yeah, uh, if you think what we're saying is reasonable, and I don't know who would disagree that our show is very reasonable. You know, we're, we're giving you a chance basically to live as an adult. That's the ultimate dream of, uh, of white nationalism is, is whites to live as adults in white communities that are safe, stable, and uh, moving forward, allowing people to pursue their dreams without the government and the damn media getting in the way of them. You know, if you're happy with a will and grace society where homos are these great people who certainly never spread disease and blacks are these wonderful bears of the magical gift of diversity, you know, how's that working out for you? Like Dr. Full says, uh, if you're happy with that society, well, you've got it in spades. But we're not. We don't think it's a very good thing. We can conceive of something better, and we can work towards it. Yeah, well, speaking of white communities, uh, we've got German nationals making use of spam. A new computer worm sent right-thinking German messages to millions of computers over the weekend. Experts describe the amount of spam generated as staggering, bearing German-language subject lines that translate into phrases like multicultural equals multi-criminal, the messages point to racist German websites and news articles that could be used to support anti-immigrant views. So, Jane, have you been looking into this? Did anyone find the message, that vile message of hate and uh, racist views that, that they were spreading about? Or are we, did we just get the commentary uh, on this case? Some of the people on the VNN forum said they got something in their emails. I did not. But I'd like to know where our American and British techs are on this issue, why we're not getting spammed by them with these messages. You know, I, I want to get some. And secondly, you mentioned that they linked to racist websites. Well, they had 72 subject lines, which also linked to one URL, which had mainstream article links, which coincidentally is exactly what we're doing on VNN forum. We, we go right to small market TV websites who have horrendous crimes, and then we look up things like the uh, National Institute for Judaic Law, which threw a big party at the U.S. Supreme Court. That's exactly what we're doing. So they're doing the same thing in Germany. What a coincidence, huh? 
we've got to start uh, getting these guys on MP3s and in international conversations recorded on VNN. Uh, imagine the dangerousness or the uh, illegality of linking to mainstream German sites like Der Spiegel, who might have an anti-immigrant article now and then. And this is what all the hullabaloo is about. Uh, my comment on this is that every single day when I look at my email, I have people uh, stealing my email name and spoofing it and sending out spam under my name in order to blacken my reputation and uh, attack me. And I don't ever see anybody writing a news article about that. I don't see anybody ever pointing out that Jews are the ones who continually break the law in trying to smear their critics. Uh, Jews use every single manipulative, illegal tactic in the books, and their own media never writes about it. The minute anybody uses uh, a tool to uh, fight back at them, the minute anybody ever uses a Jewish tactic to fight back against the Jews, why, it becomes a major international news story. You've got to keep in mind that what, what you hear is the reverse of reality. Jews are the criminals. Jews are the murderers. Jews are the assassins. Jews are the liars. Jews are the coverers up. Jews are the problem. The solution, why, in a phrase I'd say... No Jews, just right. Now, you know, this spam thing started a year ago, too. It's not the first instance, and we chronicled that, too, on VNN Forum. You know, this is spam. Okay, well, the guy's sending links to articles. Mm -hmm. He's not stealing Jewish email addresses and sending out spam under their names, is he? No, no, I think this operates more as a worm, which means it's, it's attached to some type of email uh, and then yeah. this worm reads the email addresses of the computer and then sends out the same message to all of their email addresses. There are a lot of smart people in the world, aren't there? Like that 16-year-old Swedish kid who busted in and even got the plan supposedly for an F-15 or F-16 in the U.S. Uh, military websites. Whites are smart, mm -hmm. and uh, the Jews better quit discounting us. Identity theft is, is a completely Jewish industry as much as diamonds. There is probably no white nationalist of any stature whatsoever who has not had his e-identity stolen by Jews and used to perpetrate various uh, frauds. The Jews are an international network of criminals. Every Jew is a node on that network. Every Jew is one call from being a Mossad helper. Those people are called Zionim, and they're the ones who uh, help the Mossad by providing it, it cover when it does its dirty deeds in uh, countries across the world. And uh, the ADL is the arm of the, the Mossad's arm in America. And so when you're dealing with Jews, you're dealing with something that shows you one face in public and another face in private. They're organized to defend your interest, and you need to organize to defend your interest against them. And that's what uh, this radio show and our websites are all about. Well, could you imagine a spam getting out there with the Aryan alternative? I can imagine it. <laughs> that's a way of reaching, let's say, 2 million people with a click of a button. Yeah. Well, like Chain says, there's a lot of smart white kids. Well, we certainly don't condone anything illegal. People react all over the country. Almost daily we see people who, uh, you know, a black will attack them, and they'll say something, and uh, they respond physically. And then they're the one who gets into trouble. So, you know, because these things are, are, are flaring up all over in, in the multicult world in Europe and North America, that doesn't mean the people who talk against uh, the invasion are, are the uh, people causing it to happen. It's just a natural reaction amongst people who are being oppressed. Yeah, ordinary society, or ordinary white societies and nations worldwide do not ask to have these millions of non-whites imported. They don't want them. The majority has always voted against it. But when, Jew, when a minority of, of haters called Jews controls the country, they do what's in their interest, and that means destroying it. Jews have been known for thousands of years as nation wreckers. Every nation they've been in has reacted to them exactly the same way, as calling them liars, manipulators, swindlers, and all-around generic problem-causers. 
and they cause enough problems, they destroy the host. And if, if America looks more like Weimar every day, every kind of sexual deviance is practiced in the mainstream and promoted by the mainstream, race mixing, uh, immigration of foreign people to destroy the nation. It's Weimar all over again, and the same reaction is coming. Whites standing up for themselves and finally using the Internet and other tools to recognize that, hey, the problem here, the, ma the thread that ties this all together, the theme, is Jews, Jews and their nation wrecking. And we need to wreck the Jews before they wreck us. And that is why they're so worried, because they know what they're doing, and we know what they're doing. Conservative, liberal, paleo-conservative, these are a bunch of clowns who don't understand what's going on or are afraid to tell you what's going on straight up. We are the only radio show you're going to listen to anywhere where we sound like we're free men, and that's because we are. And why are we free? We made a choice to be free. We made a choice not to fear what other people think about what we're saying. And that's why you can tell that I, I would tell you anything if I thought it were true. And you can't say that about, uh, say, uh, someone that you see on TV like a Chris Matthews or a Bill O'Reilly or Rush Limbaugh or Sean Hanna. You, you know very well that there's things they wouldn't tell you. You know very well that their main interest is in protecting their privileged position in society. And you know very well that homosexuals aren't good like we talked about above. And you, know, you know very well that TV promotes them as though they were. We're bearing for you the actual mechanism that controls society and showing you how it works and what the effects are on you and your daughter and your son and your community, and we're giving you a chance to fight back. That's the importance and the significance of Goy Fire. I would also like to urge our listeners just to, you know, be patient and to, to you know, just steal their nerves against this onslaught and uh, just keep an eye on the prize and on the long term. Uh, and uh, I think those types of people, those types of sentiments are the, are the winning sentiments. And, um, you know, we will be free. I think there's, you've got to pursue a dual policy. And what he just said is right. You have to steal yourself. And the way you do that is by avoiding debt and avoiding Jewish media, accumulating money, having large families so that you've got white blood. And then the second part of that is, is uh, joining like minds through vehicles like VNN, through vehicles like Goy Fire and VNN Forum, uh, and, and beginning to build real communities. As they say, all politics is local. That means you get together with people in your area and you find out what you can do to bring about positive change while looking and, and listening nationally for people who offer leadership on that level. You have to understand the nature of the problem before you can begin to do something about it. And that's what we're here each week to teach you. This is what the real problem is. It's not, it's not the superficial stuff that the, that the Jewish paper is telling you about or the Jewish TV network is lying about. Yeah, well, on, on that note, uh, I guess we'll just uh, do some closing statements here. Uh, Jane, uh, you have anything to say? Yeah, I do. Uh, both you and Alex have mentioned that I need to get some closing taglines, so I've begun to think about that. And I originally began to post on Stormfront as no 1965 chain immigrants because I realized that so few people knew about Emanuel Seller and how, as a Jew, he aggressively set out to change that law to flood this country with uh, the United Nations non-whites. So that's been truncated to chain. And then, uh, because I have an interest in history, I thought about Samuel Adams' famous quote. Of course, he was in the Sons of Liberty, and he used to meet there at the spot around Faneuil Hall, where recently, just this past two weeks ago, uh, the Jews had wrapped up Mother's Day and victory over white supremacy in Europe uh, May 8th all into one. And I was profoundly offended at that, for them to go there and, and claim that edifice as their own. It would be tantamount to us going into some Jewish site in, in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem and doing the same. It's just absolutely preposterous. 
And by the way, he was at uh, he was at Lexington with John Hancock, and that's who the British were after. And right now, what you might see, I think we have an internecine uh, problem in this country. We do somewhat, but we're going to change that, and more and more will come to our side. We don't need a majority. In the U.S. Revolution, they only had two or three percent. Adams said, "If you love wealth more than liberty, the tranquility of servitude better than the animating contest of freedom, depart from us in peace. We ask not." your counsel, or your arms. Crouch down and lick the hand that feeds you. May your chains rest lightly upon you. And may posterity, I think he's talking about white posterity, folks, not the mud races. And may posterity forget that you are our countrymen. So I will say, uh, may your chains not rest lightly upon you. And you may remember and honor your white DNA and Orion. And that is, our race is our nation worldwide. Our race is our nation. Well put. Well said. Amen. I'd like to echo that this is the fight of our times. And of you listening to this, this is the fight of your times. And this is the fight to liberate whites from Jewish control, from Jewish tyranny. Uh, You are not allowed to live as an adult, and that ought to offend you. You are not allowed to make the deepest decisions that affect yourself, your family, and your community. You are not even allowed to sell a house to whoever you want. You're not allowed to work for whoever you want. You're not allowed to hire whoever you want. All of these main life-affecting decisions are taken by Jews who are indoctrinating your kind into disappearing into the black hole of a miscegenation, which is genocide. What we represent is a way to fight back, and we want more and more of you to uh, abandon the controlled media and come our way and work with us in whichever way you think is, is most appropriate. As always, I'll remind you, we have a news, daily news and commentary site at govnn.com. We have a 24-7 forum at vnnforum.com. We have a print publication in the area and alternative, uh, issue two of which is now out, $12 for $100, uh, which you can order through uh, either one of those. You can also read it. Uh, the PDF is online at uh, vnnforum.com. And for that week, uh, that's all I have to say. I just want to remind you that we are the good guys. Yes, and on that note, I want to say that the Rangers have that well-known saying, come follow me. And that was an American saying before we were Jewed out. And there's something within men when the flag gets raised uh, that there's a rally point, and then you rally to the flag uh, despite the dangers and the the noise and the the violence going on. And uh, right now we're raising uh, that flag spiritually. Come join us. Help us to victory. Because victory for for one of us is victory for all of us. And uh, keep the long view on things. Keep your perspective and and work towards that white nation and white future that, that we all yearn and strive for. Until next time, America... This is Aegis, wishing you the best of goodbye. The Aryan Alternative, news and views for whites you won't find anywhere else. The Aryan Alternative is a print publication of uncensored news for whites. Issue 2 is available now. Be the first in your neighborhood to distribute news without the Jews by ordering 100 copies for $12 through the Vanguard News Network. Visit GoVNN.com for ordering information. The Aryan Alternative and the Vanguard News Network. No Jews, just right. Vanguard Radio, waking you up.